Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Oh, I'm never going to say this one right. Of Del- Delfqua? Delfqua. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Carrie O'Reilly of Delfqua Zuid Holland in the Netherlands. Delfqua Zuid Holland? Delfqua? Delfqua. You're putting the W in the wrong place. <laughs> you say, like, like guava? Delf guava? This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Carrie O'Reilly from South Holland in the Netherlands. Carrie will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Chris Farah. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Criminal Intent, Season 7, Episode 15. Please note we are no longer accepting letters of recommendation from Henry Kissinger. If there's anything else that we can do. There is. You'll need to put a freeze on next year's admissions. Right now, it looks like your wait list is a hit list. Joining me to do just that is Drew Crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts. It's Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Thanks for hitting me up after work, Kevin. And rounding out our panel is our special guest from the DocuSweeties podcast. It's Chris Farah. Hello, Chris. Hi, it's me. So wonderful to have you. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, I mean, we can't lie. I know. <laughs> I so know. accurate. So much journalistic mm-hmm. accuracy. We had your partner, Waan. She talked about some of the things that you guys cover, like 90 Day Fiance. I got to ask, who would make a better 90 Day Fiance, Gorin or Eames? Oh, definitely. Uh, it's definitely Gorin, you know, because yeah. Eames, Eames has this beautiful, patient breath with her that I mm-hmm. just cannot see working in the 90 Day world. But I do see Vincent bending himself into a full jade to understand the complexities of Jasmine's tantrums. Mm. Yeah. Like Eames is widowed. She was a surrogate mother for her sister. I feel like she's like, yeah, I'll totally marry you for a K-1 visa. <laughs> yeah, at the end of her rope, because she's a smart lady, so she's going to do what she has to do. But it, it's yeah. that patient kind of, you know, she, God, she's she, wife material. I'll yeah. tell you, I'm not gay if uh-huh. I were. Uh-huh. I would marry Eames in two seconds. She is wife material to the max, hard worker, lovely person, patient as hell. He is so difficult. And she just is like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. 
you're you're right. You're right. At the same time, I would marry Stabler. I'm going to jump ship and go to SVU. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, like that's who I'm going to marry. And uh, who I've always wanted was a stable person anyway. Yeah, and that widower sex is so hot. <laughs> dad ass. Put it on the list, honey. Put it on the list. So, Chris, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite Law and Order detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. It is so hard. Okay. I I mean, Gorn and Eames for sure. But mm-hmm. I have all these fantasies like. I mean, I would have died if like Gorn and Stabler like had a thing together, like not uh, a thing together, but like, like a, a crossover together. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think, you know, I'm just too turned on by both of them mm. in different ways, like in different ways, like one's like intellectual and one is like physical. You know, I just if I had a bull at the same time. OK, well, I don't mean maybe that's about me or my own sexual fantasies or whatever. Oh, it's, fine. Fantasies. Keep going. it's all right. We're wrapped attention over here, yeah? <laughs> you know, like organized crime, honey. More like, you know, organized bedtime, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we all know how much Gorn likes to sniff stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I smell really good. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> and who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Speak of the devil, Jack McCoy is, you yeah. know, like... And I think it's because how early on, like he would just make passings about what the old school was like and how and how many like women he slept with, you know, like mm-hmm. in that character. There was something very beautifully honest about it. And I think I speak for the entire Law and Order universe to say we were surprised and saddened to see that Sam Waterston is leaving the mothership after coming back to to relaunch it. Kevin, but he is eighty three, so maybe he could take a little time off. As a former guest of ours said on Twitter, yes, he's done, done. <laughs> all right now let's take a look at the first half of this episode criminal intent season seven episode 15 please note we are no longer accepting letters of recommendation from henry kissinger well financial analyst skip lowe's had a busy day the nanny was late while his wife tried to catch a plane he passed some insider trading information on to a pretty woman gets threatened by some unhappy investor has a clandestine hookup with a man at the health club shower before being shot in the park at night pushing his two-year-old son in a stroller powder burns let's sit though uh close range 22 caliber so he's with his son in a park tunnel at night, and he lets the shooter get within a couple of feet? Well, it was either a random act or he knew his assailant and didn't feel threatened. Gordon Eames learned that Skip had just taken his toddler for Chinese lessons when he visited the playground. Marla Reynolds says that Skip was a playground regular and an engaged father, but Marla's super rich and overbearing mother-in-law, Eleanor, seems to think she can raise her grandson better than her own mom can. Meanwhile, Another mom is shot and killed in the park walking her dog and pushing a baby stroller. Paloma Renzi was a vice president at a tech company, Qual XT. Even though their stock was shit, Skip upgraded his position, making him and Paloma lots of money. Was the fix in? Captain Ross says the same gun was used in Skip's and Paloma's shootings as well as a third from a week earlier. Denise Myler was killed with her two-year-old in the back seat. Denise wasn't a Wall Street type. She worked at a soup kitchen. But that job got her daughter access to Carnegie Hill Day, an exclusive preschool. The kids of all three victims were either accepted or waitlisted. Could the parents have been killed to make room for a kid on the waitlist? Like little Henry Reynolds? When Gorn and Eames return to their home, Eleanor Reynolds searches her grandson's diaper bag for the house key, 
but outfalls a 22 handgun. <gasps> okay, so so we get the trademarked criminal intent exposition fire hose. Mm-hmm. Quick scenes of him with every suspect that day, everybody who had a reason to kill him. But it starts with him saying goodbye to the women at the playground, Marla and Eleanor. Come back to all these flashback scenes. And then when we're done, he's in the park pushing the baby carriage and it's pitch black. Mm-hmm. How far away was he walking in this park? I was confused by the timeline. I Exactly. Because we see him leave the ladies. It's He has a hungry hippo thing in his hand. Oh, what's that in Leo's hand? Oh, Hungry Hippo. He's fine. Were you guys like, honey, that's not a Henry Hippo. Like, that Hungry Hippo thing was a sleeping pill. Like, I thought someone had drugged <laughs> the child. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a choking storyline. Yeah, yeah. Good. That was Chekhov's Hungry Hungry Hippo marble. Yes, it was. That's the what I thought. little kid's got a marble. He's like, that's some Hungry Hungry Hippos. Maybe yeah. Dad stopped for a hot dog. Another hot dog. Oh, my goodness. Rebecca LaFoy. <laughs> that's what I was wondering. It's very New York. But yeah, a thousand percent that marble should have been stuffed up his nose. Right? I agree. Go show me a marble and don't have it be up someone's nose at the end. This montage of his day is like, LOL. I love Paloma being like, we have to stop meeting this way. And he's just like, get out of my way. I only care about hot dogs, you know, like. <laughs> uh, so there is a clue that Skip is not going to the gym for exercise. Eames unzips the gym bag, sniffs it, and sniffs it, and says, "Clean clothes in the gym bag." Yeah, I already sniffed that like hours ago. <laughs> you didn't even have everything. to unzip it; I could smell right through that. Say, so, "Yep, that's laundry fresh." <laughs> Wait, I mean, some people go to the gym, take off their clean clothes, put them in their bag, and then go home in their gym clothes. Maybe his gym clothes bag stuff is clean, but he's not yeah. in his gym clothes. But doesn't he take an early morning spin class? Wouldn't those be in the bag? I'm very he usually does. That's the clue. He usually does do an early morning spin class, but this time it's after work which is confusing. And I like an early morning spin class. And it's true, you know, like to get it done one and done in the morning and just like shower and like move on with your life to actually, I don't get people who work out after work. Like I can't imagine having a whole goddamn day with all of your trials and tribulations and your energy up and down. And then suddenly after all that, put your body through a workout. Oh, that's drinking time. (laughs) Yeah. Turn it off. Like honey, I want to eat and watch again, 90 fiance or something, you know, (laughs) So that Russian nanny picks up Leo, the baby, brings mm-hmm. him home. Mm-hmm. And she says to Gorn and Eames, oh. I don't know what to tell him. Mm. He's too. You don't have to tell him anything. <laughs> he was there. He's not looking for an explanation. Also, he just wants someone to play hungry, hungry hippos with him. He doesn't care if it's his dad. He's never going to remember he had a dad. He saw <laughs> it too. You don't have to tell him anything. He was there. <gasps> <laughs> that, that part is real sad you know yeah but at this point honey he's just gonna be like so busy with the chinese and the piano you know what else being killed in front of you this is like some batman shit like all yeah. of these kids could turn into batman <laughs> absolutely Thank well, you. like you said you know they find out that little leo has been taking chinese lessons and learning how to play the piano no. At two years old you know what i wanted my kid to learn to not shit in her pants. <laughs> oh. Did they do it? No, they can't. That's too hard. No. They didn't learn that till three and a half. No, it was like chopsticks and chopsticks, right? Yes. It was, yeah. Yes. I love it. So they say that uh, Mrs. Kelly Lowe, by the way, Kelly Lowe was a girl I had a crush on in high school. I know. Years. All right. Uh, Mrs. Kelly Lowe was in Dallas because she is a VP for a hotel chain. You mean Lowe's? she's like a Paris Hilton type she's the Paris Hilton of the lows sorry Mrs. Hilton can't take your phone call right now I love that I'm sorry Mrs. Redenbacher needs to go down to the farm just they just really so Marla Reynolds 
is feeding uh, breakfast to little Henry. It's grits with extra butter. As she calls him, Hank. Yeah, Hank, yeah. And Eleanor walks in and she says, May I ask you to speak to my daughter-in-law outside? Henry's having breakfast. We can just talk wait, in the... Wait, What are you feeding him? <laughs> Marla, this is not the trailer park. This is not a trailer park. <laughs> what a bitch. And then she says, I'm taking him to Swifties for eggs and soldiers. So what first soldiers? Uh, it's sausages. A, no, no, no. It's um, toast cut into like little sausages. It, it's what, like a soft boiled egg. Toast cut into sausages is what you it's said. It's a soft boiled egg, and you know, cracked open, and it's um, toast, buttered toast that's cut in very straight lines, like soldiers. And you dip the bread in the soft egg. It's a very British kind of breakfast. I want that. You want it? That sounds great. It's 9 a.m. for me, yeah, be right. They're getting it at Swifties. So first the Swifties ruined the Super Bowl. Now they're ruining breakfast. Hey, now, <laughs> liar. So we have a couple of, hey, it's that girls. Hey, it's that girl. Can you tell me who is playing the matriarch, Eleanor Reynolds? You take her word over mine? By 7 o'clock, it's bath, books, and bed for Henry every night. Honey, arrested development. And I was arrested uh, for seeing her, you know. <laughs> Rebecca? Jessica Walter, Archer's yeah. mom. Yeah, yeah the yes. late Jessica Walter, Emmy Award winner and Golden Globe nominee for Play Misty for Me like 50 years ago. Uh, best known, as you guys both said, for Lucille in Arrested Development and as the voice of Mallory Archer in the cartoon Archer. She passed away in 2021. I love that Amanda's so good at playing a rich, mean bitch. She just like, I just, it's just a fun, you know, if you're going to be like pigeonholed into something in your career, not that she was, she did a lot, but like to have something at the end, I would love to be known as just a really vibey, energy, rich, older woman. Like, yep. honey, like we need a rich older woman, put Chris Fair in, I'm just like, come in, I'm just like, oh, look at the nannies. Have you checked the nannies? That's right. You know there's a thing in Hollywood called a Jessica Walter type. You know that is a, like a Gotta line be. that casting directors yeah. use. Yes, Boy, who yes. can forget her long career? She started in 1960. And uh, I remember her for her eight appearances on The Love Boat. Hmm. Uh, there was the one where she was Captain Steubing's high school crush. Ooh. So he went on a crash diet to impress her. He was her Kelly, Kelly Lowe? Lowe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Boy. God damn it. The two of you. All right. There was that one episode in which uh, she uh, tried to make her neglectful husband jealous by claiming that Doc made a pass at her during an examination. It Doc was disgusting. I completely believe it. Who the, who the hell is going to Doc? For an why, exam for on exam, a boat. Why are you waiting for your cruise to get your pap smear? I'm just... <laughs> always, I mean, listen, I didn't watch Love Boat, but I'll just tell you right now, if I thought Love Boat would be a perfect way to get a little, like, vagina action in the middle of the sea and the motion with the ocean, yeah, honey, you know, like... Now with Doc. As women, our waves and our sinks up already, we're like, we're, you know, half of us live by moon and by waves already. It just seems, right. that seems natural. She was also in a two-part episode where they sailed to Australia and Lloyd Bridges tries to decide whether to leave his fortune to Jessica, Linda Evans, or Morgan Fairchild. And meantime, in the same episode, Jim Neighbors romances Ethel Merman. Ooh, that's a spicy one. If that exists. Who would you leave your fortune to? That's like the best fuck, that? marry, kill situation ever. Oh, well, I'd, uh, I'd go with, uh, I'd, I'd leave it to Linda Evans. Yeah. Yeah, you got to kill think, Morgan Fairchild. No, you fuck Morgan Fairchild. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> no, you fuck Morgan Fairchild. Jessica Walters was in a another two-parter where she's married to country singer Mel Tillis, who has been secretly writing love songs to Tanya Tucker, also in the cast. And meanwhile, a plus-sized couple threatens to eat everything in the buffet. That was comedy on ABC Saturday wow. Night. Yep. Wow, wow, wow. How hilarious. And, of course, Jessica won our hearts on the ABC After School special. She was on Just a Regular Kid, an AIDS story. Oh, God. AIDS? But don't worry. He got it from a blood transfusion. Of course he did. Of course he did. Because that's how they would do it. All right. Can you name the actress playing her daughter-in-law, Marla Reynolds? Does she tell you she's mad at me? About him not getting in yet came up. It's all my fault. She told me they didn't want spirited boys, so I let Henry run around before his interview, and by the time we got there, he was dirty, and his nose was running. And I don't know who the actress is, but I know what I know her from. Okay, that is uh, Sarah Jane Morris. Mm-hmm. What is she known for, Rebecca? I know her as Noel's wife from Felicity, season four, and oh. I hated her so much. Her name was Zoe. And that was the awesome time travel season. And we were all like, he, I mean, I didn't, I wanted to end up with Ben. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that like Noel had married, it was a whole thing. Anyway, her name was Zoe on Felicity. That's how I know her from. Yeah. She's best known as Julia on the ABC series, Brothers and Sisters. Never watched that. She had a recurring role on NCIS. Never watched that. As agent EJ Barrett. She got shot in the season nine premiere and then was just never seen again. Uh, other than a mention that she was resting at her mother's place. Oh, good for her. However, her mother's place could be a graveyard. <laughs> we have one on this killer. I was like, yeah, why just, did they just kill her? I feel like they were hedging the bet, right? Leaving the like, door open for a return. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> They're dick wolfing her. Oh, I love being dick wolfed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like ending the contract, but then renewing the contract two and a half years later out of nowhere. Yeah. That's yeah. dick wolf. Uh, She's getting all that Hallmark Channel money. Mm. She is in uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Christmas. And the Love Struck Cafe where she plays a successful architect who returns to her hometown and somehow has to run the local cafe while falling in love with her old flame. Do you know how the the movie ends? How? (laughs) (laughs) Murder-suicide. Yeah. I was going to say, she goes back to her architectural firm when she realizes, honey, she made a lot of money and she, all her friends are there. That's right. Why am I selling scones? Turns out Kelly Lowe wasn't all that. She wasn't all oh. that. Can you name the actress playing uh, the wife of the victim, Kelly Lowe? I travel a lot for my job, but uh, Skip and I, we were, we were blissful and we'd, we'd found our balance. It's Kelly Deadman. Yeah. Wait, mom. Isn't it mom? Deadman. Yes. Kelly Deadman. All right, 11 Law and Order appearances. Wait, is it M-O-N, M-O-N or M-O-N? M-O-N. Yes. Oh, I thought it was M-O-M. This whole time I was like, can you imagine being called Kelly Deadmom? Dead <laughs> I, I thought it was Deadmom. Oh, it's Deadmon. Okay. Uh, who was the first person to get that name? Deadmom. Dead yeah. Oh, my God. Because, you know, like in, in like many cultures, like your name comes from a thing that like is being like... being a smith yes. or a, yes. a cooper. Yes. And or, that, yeah. she's just a dead mom. Oh, you know, she has a dead mom. It's the Kelly the dead mom family, you know? <laughs> horrible. It's horrible. Bad genes. Guess why there are no more children. Uh, yeah, 11 Law & Order Universe appearances for the trifecta. She once did a pilot as the host of a game show with Danny Bonaducci and 
she did a TV commercial for Vagisil. Hmm. And guess which one of those she took off her resume? <laughs> the Danny Bonaduce exactly. one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, she was sad and itchy and then happy she got her new cream and America was happy for her. Yeah. Chris, how do you know her? I'll be honest. I know her from thinking that she looked so familiar and then looking at her IMDb on my phone and then dying over the fact that I really thought her name was dead mom. <laughs> so, um, I, I just I just I just I kept looking at her and being like, it must be from my Melrose Place 9210s, you know, styles. But like, mm-hmm. it's not. No, I've been I'm excited for you to tell me, how do I know this person? Well, I know her specifically uh-huh. from her many Law and Order SVU appearances. And because every time she comes on, I DM our friend Janet Varney uh-huh. and say, hey, that SVU app with your lookalike is on. She looks just like Janet Varney. Because she looks a heck of a lot like Janet Varney. Yeah, she and does. And the very first time that I, I DM Janet Varney and said, that SVU app with your lookalike is on, Janet Varney DM'd me back and said, Kelly Deadmon, I presume. <laughs> we met in New York for coffee once purely to see if we looked alike in person. And the answer was... Kind of? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Apparently, uh, this happens so often where people see Kelly Deadmon on things and then text Janet and say, hey, I saw you on whatever, including one time, I believe, one of her parents. Maybe that happened with <laughs> That's like the most Haley Mills, like, you know, like her parent trappy. T- I love that. Story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Janet's amazing. I got to do Burning Love with her one billion years ago. It was a, yes, parody of The Bachelor. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Kelly also had a web series with Harper's Bazaar called The Younger Games, where the 49-year-old does goop-inspired things like magnetic cupping and the vampire non-surgical breast lift. Love that. What? Wait. Where they take blood out, take the platelets out, and then inject the blood in your boob, and it, I don't know, does, does that something. Work? How much I don't know blood? Like how much blood you have to put in that? I mean, I think it depends on how big your boob is to start. That's a lot of blood. And doesn't it not just like go? Doesn't it just listen? I know a vampire facial. I love a beauty shit. Like and I know you do it for obviously facial stuff. And then they started doing it for which I haven't done yet. But I want to do so bad hair loss. Yeah. But uh-huh. I've never heard of it for that. And I cannot imagine like it seems like you need a sack of blood. It seems like it'd be a lot of blood. Yeah, you end up uh, in that after school special, like that kid. Yeah. I saw Tarek from Flip That's or Flop how we got it. do we a fixed. blood facial on Flip or Flop ones. It was wild. Hey, we have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Can you tell me who's playing murder victim Skip Lowe? Not off there, big guy? Too late to nap. That gentleman is Jason Pendergraft. He was Dr. Carter Anders on All My Children. Oh. And his Did character you? also made a pass at... Jessica Walter during an examination. <laughs> How could you not? How could you not? Hey, anyone spot who was playing the first detective, the one who was debriefing them in the very beginning? Nope. Skip Lowe, big time financial analyst, shot in the chest. Called his ICE number. His wife's in Dallas on business. Can't get a flight back till morning. That's Matt Walton. He played Elijah Clark for five years on One Life to Live. Wow. He was the crack lawyer that went crazy. He kidnapped star Hope and Danny, but when he was taken into police custody, he taunted Cole, who snapped and shot him, and then Marty looked over the body and said, oh my God, Cole, he's dead. And Cole responded, good, he should be. Sounds about right. Uh, Can you tell me the actor making his television debut as Qual XT CEO Pernell Whitehall. What a name. No. Palomo was dear to us. Qual XT has offered a reward to catch her killer. 
That's Stephen Hawk. He's had bit roles in about 60 movies and TV shows, but his most high-profile role is as Dawes, the butler on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Hmm. So fans will recognize him from that. His first role happened when he was like, 45 on Law and Order? Yeah. His first TV role, yeah. That's awesome. Well, okay, yeah. Maybe he's worked in theater before or something like that. But yeah, He's one of those theater guys, yeah, absolutely. Sure, sure. Good for him, though. But can you tell me the name of the actor playing Jim Hookup Kevin? I am happily married. I love my wife and I love my children. And sometimes, once in a while, I hook up with other men that love their wives and love their children. All right, that gentleman is Neil Bledsoe. He's had recurring roles in The Man in the High Castle, Ugly Betty, The Mysteries of Laura, and Shameless. But he's also been getting that Hallmark money for a long time. He was the childhood boyfriend in Must Love Christmas. Also in Christmas at the Drive-In, he's trying to sell the Drive-In Theater out from under the owner, but falls in love with her instead. In A Christmas Carousel. He also plays a prince who falls in love with the woman trying to repair the merry-go-round by Christmas. But it also belongs to a prince. Who it's wants we- to ride a merry-go-round on Christmas? Keep going, keep going. It's I think it's the I know Christmas carousel. Got I it. Do know. Yeah, right. yeah. Christmas carol. Yes, I saw it. Yes. Yeah, he's also in the Winter Palace with Winnie from the Wonder Years. Mm. She takes a job as a caretaker of a chateau so she can be alone to write her novel. Mm. It's very much like The Shining. That's Danica McKellar, by the way. Yeah, uh, he is Prince Henry and the owner of the chateau. So all work and no play makes Winnie from the Wonder Years a dull girl. (laughs) He also worked with Winnie from the Wonder Years in Coming Home for Christmas, where she also manages a rich family's estate and falls in love with him while planning one last Christmas gala before they sell it. I don't. Can I also humble brag something? Yeah, sure. I've been in three Hallmark movies. Yeah. I haven't been any with it. Yeah, I was in. Kissing Mr. Kringle. <laughs> Did you have a, like an a, a interesting line of dialogue? Like, it's so good to see you back in our hometown after all these years. You seem really successful. I wish I had. So like she's playing, she's interviewing me and I'm like a Christmas, I work at a Christmas Mart and she's talking about like Santa and, you know, because we're like the, the cute town, like all believes that's one man Santa. And so she's interviewing us like, how do you think that he's Santa? And I'm just like, oh yeah, we all love him. It's something like that. I had like a couple of lines, nice. you know, it's very like that. But nice. now my question is, why do the terrorists hate us? <laughs> <laughs> so the detectives want to see Skip's work computer, but the browser history has been erased. His browser history has been cleared. Yeah, we all do that. Porn. Yeah. Porn. <laughs> I mean, it's Wall Street, right? So if you're not jerking it, you're not working it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not spanking it, you're not banking it. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they order the boss to restore the deleted browser history. And so with one hand, the boss goes click, click, click. And the whole browser history is back. Easy. That is fewer keystrokes than actually typing the word porn. (laughs) And it's all back. Everybody's password there is password. (laughs) It's prawn. It's prawn. (laughs) So they learn that Skip's online hookup name is Big Skipper, Mm -hmm. and he's been looking for a little buddy. Mm -hmm. So the online ad says that Kevin is a wide nine looking for the same. And and millions of Americans ask, do I really want to know? You know. You know what a wide nine is. Do not my look foot. at me. My foot size. <sighs> yeah, it's your foot size. Also, by the way, I do not want a wide nine. There's no woman in the world who wants a wide nine. No, like a wide 
Seven? No, by sure. Okay. Seven's a lot, too. It's wide. Like a medium to wide. Yeah, that's fine. Six to seven. <laughs> You're uh, Bigfoot, the guy that found my keys. You're Kevin. Mm-hmm. I'd like to give you a reward. Uh, my wallet's downstairs. You want to take a walk with me? Sure. And, and, and Eames <laughs> thought giant Gorin would be this guy's type. <laughs> please, yeah. please. That's immediately Eames is like, well, we got to, we got to, you know, set him up and we know he's your type. And like Gorn just takes that and we're like, uh, I don't think the Gorn is type. Like, I love Gorn. That is a meaty teddy bear. And I mean, listen, what's happening at the Celestial Health Spa is just a lot of tightness and a lot of like tight bodies. And so we all know this is not the case. But then when they go to the next scene, that guy comes in and he's like, Bigfoot. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> good name. Honey, wide 13. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Me too. Also, the wide nine is a defensive formation used by the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. And the Swifties have ruined that too. (laughs) Shut up, Kevin. Shut up. (laughs) So we later see Paloma pushing a stroller in the park with the dog's lead attached to the handle. And then she gets shot from behind. She drops dead, and that big dopey dog just sits there watching the whole thing. Yeah, and they said you could get a dog for protection. That's Did not work. Dog's like, that was interesting. What just happened? <laughs> Useless. Yeah. Well, my, my owner is just here, so where am I going to go? She decided <laughs> to take a nap. To be fair, that was a fucking well-behaved dog. My dog would be yeah. out of there. And That's that either stroller, a really great dog or a really shitty one. My dog would be dragging that stroller like a can behind a just-married car. Uh, the baby could kill, too. The dog knows the killer, though. Yes, we've got two-year-old witnesses. we got a dog that could sniff out the kill. I mean, why can't they crack this case? <laughs> that dog could become Batman. <laughs> I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home. The place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Eleanor Reynolds has no idea how that gun got in her diaper bag. You know who you should be talking to? The nannies in that park. All they do is sit on the benches and complain. I'll bet one of them did it. Why would they do that, Mrs. Reynolds? They know I watch them. If I see a nanny mistreat a child, I tell the parents. Marla says Eleanor blamed her for little Henry's rejection from Carnegie Hill Day because he showed up at the interview with a runny nose and ain't nobody got time for that. It seems Eleanor has been angling to get her grandchild into Carnegie Hill Day since before he was even born, since before her son got trapped into a marriage with a cocktail waitress from Kentucky. (laughs) Eleanor knew who was on that wait list and doesn't have good alibis for the shooting, but... Gorin doesn't think she did it because her medication makes her gotta poop and 
her ass cheeks can only kiss her home toilet. <laughs> the detectives think Marla might be killing the parents and trying to frame her bitchy mother-in-law for the crimes. Bobby and Alex go to Carnegie Hill Day where they find Marla has tied up a teacher and the admissions director at gunpoint. While Eames quietly evacuates the kids, Corin tries to mansplain Marla's motive to her. She thinks that she ruined Henry's life because he couldn't make the elite social connections a two-year-old should. She couldn't make friends in the big city, and she just wanted Eleanor's approval. Marla threatens to shoot herself, but Gorin convinces her that Henry needs a mom. After snatching her gun and placing her under arrest, the detective reminds her that the people she killed were parents, too. Okay, so the title of this episode is Please Note We Are No Longer Accepting Letters of Recommendation from Henry Kissinger. It's officially the longest title in the Law & Order universe. All right. Great. Uh, and a tip of the cap to the scene in which the admissions director talks about how exclusive it is to get into the preschool. She ever asked you where Henry was on the wait list? She wouldn't abuse our relationship. That's confidential. I tried to reassure her. I explained she was competing with letters of recommendation from Henry Kissinger and Max Wright. Do you know who Max Wright was? Nope. Thank no. God. He nope. was the father on ALF. <laughs> Are you in... What? No. Yeah. He was the father with the goofy glasses on ALF. So he wasn't a war criminal then? No. He's like, hey, I didn't bomb Cambodia. <laughs> I talked to a felt puppet for four seasons on network television. So that's like being like, we're no longer accepting um, recommendations from Alan Sick or yeah. Michelle Obama. Like, yeah, that's exactly. like the, that's yeah. the disparity between them. Yeah. <laughs> Condoleezza Rice and Monroe from Too Close from Comfort. <laughs> I love that. I put um, all these in the Ted Knight box. Oh, fuck. Captain Stubing, there's a hole. I want to see what that, like, you, you gotta let this person in. This person's great. Like, I want to, like, read with that. These girls from Sister Sister have to absolutely be, in, be admitted to this school. Tia and Tamara. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you, listen, any school would do better with Tia and Tamara. They're triple you know. threats. Triple threats. I know. And there's two of them. Um, there's sex duple threats. Yeah. Way more talented than the Olsen twins. Yeah. <laughs> Those girls are billionaires. Don't knock them. <laughs> I know. I know. I like to punch up. That's the only comedy <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. <laughs> I, I almost felt like Gorn and Eames should have confronted the grandma with the revolver scene like with Janine. Like, no. so then, yeah, they just come back. She's like going back up to the brownstone. I don't know. I just, I would have liked to have seen them together. Also, I got to say that baby revolver is the cutest little baby revolver. It's a little derringer. It's the same kind of gun that uh, killed Abraham Lincoln. It's so cute. It's teeny tiny. So cute. A derringer? A derringer, yes. Well, I mean, you said Eleanor has the murder weapon and she doesn't really mm -hmm. have good alibis for when these people were killed. But Gorin doesn't think she did it because she can only smash at home. <laughs> Eleanor Reynolds couldn't have driven to Far Rockaway. It's three hours round trip. She couldn't be away from her own bathroom that long. The public restroom phobia defense maybe means someone framed her. <laughs> this is crazy. First of all, like we said, Gorn will sniff anything. Yep. But the, but you think it's a it was a three hour ride to one of those crimes. She could Rock away, yeah. she could never keep it in with her, her tight ass cheeks if she had to poop. Yeah, that turtle's coming out. That turtle's coming out. She notices this by just a she does a shift in the seat where she crosses her legs and he's suddenly like, Bish gotta poop. 
And I was so surprised by that, you know, like, because I shift all the time when I sit, like, I'm not comfortable. I'm crossing this leg, crossing that leg, you know, like, you can, re- yeah, he really picks up on some body language, which of yeah. course makes him even hotter to me. Yeah. You know? Well, it might have been that she had like a left cheek sneak <laughs> and it just was like, oh, oh, and he smelled that across the room and said, no, this is not our killer. Yeah. Do you know how Kevin, this is the whole thing about, can I just like, just talk for a second about pooping at home? Sure. sure. Okay. Men, you are right about this. You should just feel comfortable going wherever you want. Don't be an Eleanor. Don't torture yourself in this way, ladies. Just do it wherever you feel like you got to go. I'm telling you, men figured this out a long time ago. It's Mm -hmm. fine. Do you realize how close we all came to a wrongful conviction? Because you have to go in court and say, Your Honor, I'm sorry, she has a shy sphincter. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies, (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. If she cannot shit, you must acquit. <laughs> <laughs> so when they look for Marla, they find her at Carnegie Hill Day uh, with a gun. And in one room, she's tied up the admissions director and the teacher with jump rope, Hardy Boy style. And uh, in the other, it's nap time for a half dozen kids. Close the door, you'll wake them. Never wake a sleeping baby. Don't come any closer. I won't. I'll, I'll be right here. You don't need that gun. You don't need it. You know what will wake a sleeping baby? Fucking gunshot. Mm-hmm. Bang. Everybody starts crying. Right. Mm-hmm. This actually brings me to the central question of the episode. Yeah. Big gaping plot hole of the episode. I believe in this scene, Marla demonstrates... And excuse me for a trigger warning here that she is maybe a little bit school shootery. She is a little bit brutal, right? She's a little bit willing to she take brought a-, a gun to school. So I mean, so why not, in order to make the waiting list shorter, kill the children? Oh, my God. And not go through this elaborate exercise of murdering parents, which to me is not a guarantee that the child will then not be at the school. To me, You're in so no right. way does that guarantee the child's not going to be at no the offense, school. No offense, but those kids were all in the five-year-old grade, right? They're taking the nap. They were all able to get out no, no, of no, 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 no. You're not going to make room for a three-year-old. I'm not saying those kids. I'm saying the original plot yeah. is so convoluted. I'm going to murder this dad to get his kid off the waiting list. Just murder the kid to get the kid off the waiting list. She's demonstrating now that she's cold-blooded. Because those kids saw too much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They saw too much. living in New York City, they often do. Yeah, it's true. Can't let you go now. Pizza rat. Well, we can't wrap up the episode without a Goran explication about what really happened. I used to have friends at the women's residence, but Eleanor didn't like them. Now I talk to Henry and the nannies. The nannies, Mr. Lozney, Paloma's nanny. I sit on the bench next to them, listening. Yeah, I think that they like you. You know, they saw the way that Eleanor treated you. She was so upset when Henry got waitlisted. Marla is a gorgeous girl from the South who moves to New York to become a dancer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she has, I guess, for some reason, no friends. I had no one. I was like, oh, girl, get something. I don't need to tell you to leave this mom. I mean, I don't know. She also was a little crybaby for me, and I wanted to see her dance. And I don't think that she's a good dancer. But do you know how long it takes to make grits from scratch? <laughs> That's just taking up all her time. What is this, my cousin Vinny? Um, Should I ask Britney Spears' dad? 
when Goring comes in, he like, you know, is like talking to her. And he kind of keeps like making moves to try and like distract her like he's going to like, you know, get the gun or whatever. But he he even tells Janine, who did not deserve this. I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking, I want him to take care of me. <laughs> we have to note, though, that because she killed so many other parents, Henry was actually able to get into the next class, meaning Marla's going to be on the PTA. <laughs> I tell you, they are so going to crush that candy bar sale. Yes, they are. Oh, yeah. They are. All right, let's take a look at the real life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did you it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. There are some similarities in this episode to the real life case of the Texas cheerleader murder plot. In 1991, Wanda Holloway's daughter, Shana, failed to make the cut for her junior high school cheerleading squad for the second year. She hatched a plan to get rid of the mother of the girl who beat out Shana for the slot. Holloway solicited her ex-brother-in-law to find a hitman. She offered diamond earrings in exchange for a hired killer to get rid of Verna Heath. She believed Heath's daughter would be so gutted by her mum's death that she'd quit the team and make room for Shana. The ex-brother-in-law grasped on Holloway to the coppers, who arrested her the next day. News of the plot made headlines around the world, with the press dubbing her the pom-pom mom. Prosecutors played audio tapes of Holloway planning the hit, but the defence argued it was a frame-up by her ex-husband to win custody of the kids. She was sentenced to 15 years in prison, but her conviction was overturned because of juror misconduct. Facing a second trial, Holloway pleaded no contest. She agreed to a 10-year sentence, but was released after six months and put on probation. Today, Wanda Holloway maintains a low profile, but it's believed she's still living in Texas. Well, parents say and do the darndest things. Um, do you understand? Okay, obviously. You no, know, I don't understand this plot at all. It's real stupid. <laughs> this Just is kill a stupid the girl. Murder kill the yeah. girl if you want to get it done. <laughs> Horrible plan. Horrible plan. Obviously an evil plan. Yeah. So, like, part of my takeaway is, you know, having seen this with sports parents and... As an umpire? As an umpire, but all you know, also uh, theater kids, that a lot of times parents are projecting what they want to see their kids succeed. They put themselves, they, you know, their lost dreams of being the quarterback or being the star of the show, and that is why they do crazy shit that they probably otherwise wouldn't do. Right. Of course they do. So maybe like Holloway, is that her name? She thought it was like, so the mother, other mother was sort of like the avatar for the cheerleading spot, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So it was like less about getting the cheerleading spot for her daughter than it was about killing the mother whose daughter had the cheerleading spot because she's like the mother beat her out. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I think there's some of that pathology in there. We know some theater people like this that went to high school with our kids. We do. A mom who was like mad for two years that her daughter <laughs> didn't get the lead in the school play. It was wild. <laughs> she still talks about it to this day. It was wild. Years later. I am a theater nerd. I'm a theater nerd at heart. I will always be I'm an only child or whatever. So I honestly get the idea and we're living in a gypsy world's world where we honestly understand that women uh, that were mothers put on some something on their shoulder and we're like living in this right now. Uh, it's very apropos. And so 
I think it's important to manifest your own dreams so that you can be fulfilled and have your own life and then not uh, try and hyper control the lives of others, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. a like straight up thing that I'm trying to bring into myself. It's hard not to put energy into trying to control things you can't control. You can only control yourself. You can't control the lives of others. But in all of it feels like all of this, both the episode and the hidden real truth are people trying to hyper-control things they cannot without just allowing it to be. Except that Kelly Lowe could have controlled her child before he went to the interview and have him like look like a normal, like, put-together child. Wiped his nose, yeah. Don't let him play around with a stained shirt. I mean, that's the, <laughs> that is trailer trash of her. Anyway. <laughs> so the, uh, the juror misconduct in the first trial was that a juror failed to disclose that he was on probation for a drug felony and was thus barred from serving on a jury. And if I were him, I'd say... You were the assholes that sent me the jury summons. That's right. That's not a misconduct. That's just him serving on a jury. And I actually think that he should be able to serve on a jury. Not every state has those kinds of rules. So, yeah, that's their fault, not his. That's not misconduct. Well, I mean, that's sort of like it falls under that. um, Yeah. Did did they ask him that question directly? Did he lie? That's misconduct. Probably. I don't know. It wasn't wasn't clear from my intensive research. Yes. Uh, Amber Heath... The daughter of Verna Heath today lives in Texas, and her daughter is a cheerleader. Great. It should be noted that afterwards, uh, Shanna never made another cheerleading squad. Aww, is it is. possible that a woman also almost died because Shanna sucked at cheerleading? <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. It's very hard to catch people when you throw them up in the air. A lot of women almost die if someone sucks at cheerleading. <laughs> she got a flyer, you know, and it's like, oops. How much do you want to bet? That even if the girls, the girl whose mother, like, she tried to kill, even if she had left the squad, I bet that girl still wouldn't have made the squad. I have to keep killing. Keep going down that list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like sheer. Yeah, it wasn't because there was only one spot left that that girl didn't make it, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So ABC Mm -hmm. did a dramatic movie of the week based on the case. HBO went in a different direction with the positively true adventures of the alleged Texas cheerleader murdering mom. Starring Holly Hunter. It was a very black comedy, as you could tell. What year? Oh, this was in, in the aughts. In the aughts, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I in the yeah, aughts. I mean, I want to watch it. Like, it has, I mean, like that sounds great. <laughs> okay. Uh, Shanna, the daughter, said that when her mom got out of prison for years, they acted like nothing happened. <laughs> I had no idea they were Irish. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Chris Farah. Chris, where can our listeners follow you online? Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a joy this has been. We are Docky Sweeties, me and my uh, other co-host who you've had on here. Her name is Wahamalino. Docky Sweeties is wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify. We, of course, are at Docky Sweeties on our social medias, Instagram. We have a Facebook group, the Docky Sweeties podcast Facebook group. I'm Chris Farah, Chris L. Farah on social media. Again, you guys, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? You can follow me everywhere for my takes on podcasting and dogs at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You also can post or tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Other Stories Podcast or like and subscribe on YouTube and TikTok. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. 
content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn handles promotions. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These are their stories. Was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media.